that's that's the best intro song we're gonna have for the show. Right, for sure. He's cover band, right? Listen, didn't y'all didn't y'all lay that track? Oh down yeah. There? yeah. I thought that was your, your cover band. Casey's cover band. Out in Athens. Casey and the Moonshine Band. Oh, okay. I like it. <laughs> nice. Might be on to something. Yeah. You wanna, were you on vocals? That's you want to sing? By the way, nobody take that. <laughs> Taking him back to his Athens days. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. Well, we got some less listener questions to answer uh, this week. Um, as always, if you have questions of your own you'd like to have answered on the air, um, please call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. Or if you prefer to email them, you can email them to... Dr. Gene at Hensler.com, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And if you need any personal help, if uh, you know, you're a business owner, you're looking to exit and you want to start planning now, maybe you need uh, some financial planning, um, anything like that, please feel free to reach out to us at 770-429-9166. So perfect uh, segue here into our first listener question, guys. Um, Jerry from Atlanta. I have a small consulting business. And I'm in need of evaluation for a small business loan. I'm quite worried because the business doesn't have assets or inventory or even that much competition. It's really based on me and my talents for efficiency. Without getting too much into what, what I do, how do I value my unique skill in a way that I can prove my business is viable and has a future value? So I'll just kind of talk broadly about the three methods that we use to value a business. And doesn't mean all three are pertinent to any one particular business, but it's kind of when we do a conclusion of value, this is how we approach it. We do an asset-based valuation, which um, in your case, Jerry, uh, is not going to yield a high valuation at all. You're not an asset-intensive business. It's consulting. So this would be method number one. You're not going to use that. Method number two is the market-based method. So what we're going to do is we're going to go out into the, uh, one of our databases and see what businesses like yours in consulting um, have contract uh, uh, have sold for in the past, uh, on a multiple basis, that might be price of sales, price to earnings, price to seller's discretionary earnings, any any number of multiples. And we could apply that to your business and come up with a value. And lastly, the, the value the valuation method we most prefer is the income-based approach. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at your historical results. We're going to create some pro formas, project forward your, your future results, discount those cash flows back to today, and really get an idea of what your unique business is worth. Now, as your business is unique, there are certain considerations that you need to take into account. So first off, you say it's basically based on you, your talents for efficiency. So big problem there is you're a key man. And when applying discounts to evaluation, a key man discount is very common. So let's say, God forbid, something happens to you and you're not able to, to work. The value of that business is could essentially be zero if, if everything, all the skills and knowledge are in your head and you're not able to work any longer, that business is essentially worthless. No, the revenue stream is highly dependent on that person, right? Absolutely. So you need to be kind of training people under you um, that can carry on the business in your absence so that that key man discount is not so significant when it comes time for you to get that valuation. Um, you know, when you're, when you're trying to get a small business loan, a lot of banks, they want assets. They're not going to lend to you on goodwill, which there's a lot of goodwill in a business like this. Um, they want to see assets that if something happens, they can go in and, and you know, recover some collateral. of their losses. Yeah. Collateral. Exactly. So, um, you know, if, if you need a business valuation, there's plenty of options out there. Um, if, if you want to give us a call, we'll be more than happy to talk to you further about it. Next question comes from our good friend, uh, Ed Kelly. He asks, do you have a list of value stocks that you think are a good buy right now? 
and are, are okay to be held for 10 years. Thanks. Um, so yeah, it, for those of you who don't know what a value stock is, it's typically those that trade at low multiples, low growth companies, um, always pay a dividend because if you're not growing, uh, I sure as hope that you're paying me a dividend. Otherwise, how am I going to get my money back? Right. Mm -hmm. yep. So, um, and value stocks of late have really, um, been underperforming relative to growth. Absolutely. Stocks. Growth yeah. has been outperforming for several years now. Yeah. Um, value has been being down. been widening. It has. Uh, now we've seen, we've seen somewhat of a tilt now that volatility is right to the market. Yeah. Um, but as a result, but it's hard are, to find cheap stops. No, well, it's hard to. Well, there are of some the value ones now. I know there's some. I mean, in fact, we've got a couple other questions here with with one or two of them on there. But since it has suffered like that, I mean, you and I were talking earlier this week about a valuation list we were looking at, and there's quite a few. It would seem on there that uh, you know relative to where they used to trade. Yes, but if you right. were to say like absolute terms, like let's look at stocks with a PE under 15, that's getting harder and harder well, to yeah, find. From that perspective, absolutely. But I got a list here for you that are. All trading under that, under 15 times, have a dividend yield of probably 3% or more. Some of these have a dividend yield of 7%, so we'll just kind of go down the list. Um, Altria, ticker symbol MO, British American Tobacco, BTI, Philip Morris, PM, all three attractive tobacco stocks. Um, I know you're probably thinking, oh, tobacco, I'm concerned, but we're yeah. actually pretty constructive on these names. Um, AT&T, I'm not worried about AT&T 10 years from now, getting probably six plus percent dividend yield, yep. you know, balance sheets, healthy. Um, another one we like Gilead sciences. So this company is cash rich, man. They, their balance sheet's so strong. Um, it's a drug company. They specialize in kind of hepatitis C drugs, HIV drugs. They've basically cured hepatitis C, which is kind of why they've gotten beaten down because you don't have that recurring revenue source where yeah. I have to constantly be treated for it. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've kind of screwed yourself. That's the, <laughs> and, the drug. Yeah. I mean, that's, kind of where the pharmaceutical companies get into trouble. I mean, they don't really want to cure What's the incentive anything. to cure it? Yeah. yeah they, they want it to mm -hmm. be treatable indefinitely. Sure. <laughs> but attractive dividend yield is well covered there. Um, CVS is probably our, one of our favorite names out there right now. Um, that stock's up about 10% in the last week. They had a great quarter, second great quarter in a row. Do we know um, when this appeal, the, the appeal is going to be coming to a close? I know the judge had... For Aetna? Right. Yeah, with the merger. As far as we know, the Aetna deal, I mean... It's it. You're seeing well, yeah. the Aetna results. I mean, the deal is done. They Even can the challenge all they want, but consolidated, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's that far along. We don't have any reason to believe that that there's going to be further issues with it. How can it possibly be trading this low still, though? Even after this good week, as you mentioned, when that's factored in. So I think CVS levered up to make this acquisition, right? They mm. balance sheet not as pretty as it was prior to to the acquisition, but. I think it's a, a great acquisition that they can justify. Now you look at CVS as a whole; it's it is a healthcare conglomerate. Now you know they're building doctor. You have the Minute Clinic in the stores. Mm -hmm. They're adding dental services, vision, yeah. overall wellness, and not to mention you have an insurer now, Aetna, under you that can feed all this business to your pharmacy benefit manager business, your specialty pharmacy business, your standalone right. your retail pharmacies. I just think that it's so well integrated that it's just an, well, an attractive company that's still going to grow earnings at 8%. Yeah. Pay a 3% dividend yield right now. To Ed's question, I mean, look, this is something that uh, from a valuation standpoint, their trade, their market cap, you and I were talking about this not too long ago, Nick, is less than what they just paid for Aetna. It just doesn't make sense. Right. Which is why I think some of that can't be, I, I got to feel like, 
some of this appeal thing is holding the price back because surely you're right they have levered it up and that certainly may not have fared well from the uh, balance sheet standpoint but uh, it does look like it is a, a very cheap uh, attractive stock at the current price and so hopefully some of that will come to fruition even more so than it has this past week yeah yes absolutely we hope so um throw one more name out there two more names out there to you verizon ticker symbol vz and lastly cardinal health c-a-h really like that one yep all, all right all next question names. um see here rodney from mcdonough this might seem like a weird question but my wife and i are are redefining our emergency reserves before we embark on our next journey, having kids. Congratulations. We've been putting a steady amount each month into our savings account. The bank has called me to discuss cash alternatives. Why should I consider these? I thought the point of emergency reserves was for immediate liquidity. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Obviously, uh, emergency reserves are for immediate liquidity to some extent. Um, Putting it in a cash alternative is going to get you a little more yield. Um, and most of these cash alternatives is going to be things like money markets um, that are still very liquid. So they're going to be invested in short-term, you know, fixed income. Yeah, short-term might be treasuries, might be some commercial, commercial paper, paper. Um, things like that. But it's still very liquid. You can access the money if they're government uh, money markets. Like we've, you know, we there were some regulatory changes a couple of years ago that have kind of set a, a distinction between government money markets and prime money markets. So prime money markets are going to be things that typically they'll have that in the name, but they, they may, uh, uh, they're not strictly government assets. And what the government has said is that uh, prime money markets can float, meaning the, the price. Net asset share, value. So typically those trade at $1. Right. So you, you could end up in a situation where the value of that is less than $1 per share. Um, hasn't happened very often, but it has happened in the past where it's broken the buck is what they call it. Um, the other, you know, bad thing about those prime money markets is they can lock up your funds for a period of up to 10 days, I believe. Mm-hmm. If, uh, you know, if there's a significant flows from the fund, uh, redemptions from the fund that would cause the fund to, to have issues sort of like a run on the bank, if you will. Um, and so having 10 days of a lockup is certainly a liquidity problem. So government money markets don't have that same those same criteria. They will stay at a dollar net asset value, dollar sure. per share. And I think it really depends. I like to look at it at, at, in buckets. So if it's true emergency reserves, keep that in cash. But if it's saving, if it's you're you're going to have a child in a couple of years, well, that doesn't need to be. You're not going to immediately have to go draw that from the bank. So you can put that in one of these short-term bond funds. Yeah, I think or, emergency or, or reserves something are, like are going to be your you know three to six to twelve months of money that. In case something happens, somebody loses yep. their job, what have you, uh, there's money to fall back on to, to spend from. So being liquid is good. Well, guys, it's going to be another exciting week tomorrow, I'm sure. There's not a lot of economic data. Um, we'll get the Fed minutes, but my question for you guys is up or down? Got to go up from here. Yeah, I think so. Let's see a rally. All right, green it is for me too. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. Have a great week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. 
Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.